The following is intended for mature audiences. It features adult content, including frank discussions about sexuality, as well as other challenging topics. Please make sure you're in the right headspace to listen. It's okay to tap out and come back. We'll be here. If you're ready, let's go. This is Kink Punks. We're radical sex educators who aim to provide holistic, ethical, kink-aware, pleasure-focused sex ed for transmasculine and adjacent people. We want to have the conversations you might want to have about trauma-informed kink and other hot topics. We're here to support queer community in building confidence and honoring ourselves and each other. So thanks for listening to King Punks. I am here with August, and they are a good friend of mine, and I'm happy to collaborate with them. Cool. I'm here with Santos, and uh, he is an excellent collaborator, and we're really excited to bring you this podcast. Here we go. And All right. We're here to talk about being good in bed. Yeah, we are. And thanks for joining us. This is our first episode. In terms of being good in bed, maybe we can define that like, and have a, like, a little bit of a basic overview. Yeah, what does that even mean to be good in bed? Being good in bed can, can mean possibly being a, you know, a generous partner, yeah. being a mindful partner. What are some like, really super basic things that come to your mind? Being attentive mm-hmm. to your partner. Um, being interested in both your pleasure and theirs, mm-hmm. being communicative mm-hmm. in in a thoughtful way. Yeah, B- being being prepared for their needs too. Yes. Yeah. Before we get into that, we can kind of talk a little bit about general ideas of what being good in bed is supposed to be, etc. Right. And do you mean we should talk about? The kind of training and brainwashing and enculturation <laughs> that we've received. Yes, right, yes, the the whole uh, the um, the the colonized ideas of what being good in bed are and is. I was certainly trained um, that sex is had between a cis man and a cis woman. That's right. And sex is like defining sex. What 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 is sex? Like when a penis enters a vagina and non-standard sex would be when a penis enters an anus. Aha. Uh-huh. See, I um I was also taught that penis in vagina is sex sure. and everything else mm-hmm. that you might do with mm-hmm. each other's bodies or in or anything else you might enjoy is um not real sex. Mm-hmm. Like real sex is penis and vagina. Yeah. Yeah, and I- ideally, like, ideas of virility and uh, uh, sexual potency have a lot to do with, like, fertility as well. That's right. Some other things could be, um, you know, learning uh, techniques like they were cheat codes. Right. You know, so basically, like, if you know, if you are a man, a cis man who knows, if you learn about a G-spot, Right. then you know that G-spots exist or you believe that G-spots exist and that that is the key That's to right. unlocking your partner's orgasm. And sex is all about the orgasm because it's all about ejaculation. If you can make your partner orgasm through the tips and tricks that you learned, you know better about their bodies 
than they do about theirs. Right, or that um, a good lover would be someone who knows how to, like a, a man who knows how to make a woman come. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just keep thinking of the film Thelma and Louise mm. and seeing it in the theater, and there's a scene where um, Gina Davis has sex with Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and uh, they... She, it's the best sex. It's the first time she's had really good sex. Right. And it was clearly in this model of um, a good lover is going to know how, is going to actually satisfy mm-hmm. a woman who may have had other experiences with mediocre partners because mm. that is to be expected. Right. That is what things are like. Right. And there's a way in which I'm not, I'm not criticizing Thelma and Louise because I, that's a brilliant film. <laughs> I'm actually, it, it is accurately portraying what was in the culture and what. Sure. I came into that film knowing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, aside from that, Thelma and Louise is like a, a an interesting like take on a possible queer film, like mm. queer baiting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we can talk about that. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, right, and and so not only not only is the dick always hard, mm-hmm. but. A big dick is a good dick. That's right. Because um, if you've got that, you don't have to learn all that other stuff about techniques. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they should come on your cock. <laughs> they should come on your cock. <laughs> or, I mean, it's even just, it's just so impressive. Yeah. That, like, yeah, that true. goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of this Margaret Cho, um, that, that reminds me of this, Mar- this Margaret Cho joke a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was like, why do you always want other stuff? You know, paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Why do you always want other stuff uh, when we have sex? And she's just like, you know, why do you always have to like masturbate, et cetera? And she's like, because I can't come when you fuck me. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, oh, you know, like <laughs> she's she's he, and he was also like, uh, don't don't say this on your on your uh, on your stand up, mm-hmm. you know. So she, but she just kind of repeated, I can't come when you fuck me. So, I mean, it's just the fact that that's a joke. Yes. The fact that this scene in the movie with Brad Pitt and Gina Davis was a thing. Yes. Is, it goes to show that the lesson is that um, here's what you can expect from men mm-hmm. or here's what men are like. Yeah. And it's it's up to you. The... Um, I, and when I say you, I mean I'm framing things in terms of the uh, colonial brainwashing that we are subjected to, not to the truth of the question, what makes a good lover, but to right. the um, the ideas that have been drilled into us and, and are in the culture and are informing our concepts of sex. Just starting with the idea that sex is penis and vagina sex and anything else is extra sets you up to fail to be a good lover. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah. And then you have to do things like fake it. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there is a phenomenon of faking orgasm yeah. goes to show this dynamic where the real sex is penis and vagina. The woman in that scenario may or may not come. Mm-hmm. She may choose to fake it to assuage her partner's ego mm-hmm. or to make sure that he feels good about himself mm-hmm. or to um, enhance his pleasure, yeah. which we also know is already a given. Right. Like that's the the framing. And and I don't, I, 
I we're this is obviously a queer podcast. Yes, this is definitely we're definitely going to get into like trans masculinity and mm-hmm. sex. Yes, but I think um, it can't be overstated that um, no matter how far we've come or like no matter how radical we are, this shit is like in our bodies. You know, yeah. like this training is really no matter how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it, you're, you're totally right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm undermining with like a really bad dad joke, but like, yeah, it really is. It's, we carry, we carry this and we have to specifically unlearn it. We, we, we learn this early on, right? We, we learn, um, like how, like, how did you learn about what? Like how did how did you learn about what being a good lover was? So, uh, one thing I was thinking of, which was like I was, I'll, I'll get to this later, mm-hmm. was um, not necessarily about being a good lover, but about like definitions of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I am old enough to wear, but uh, you know, uh, and for for some people listening, this might sound very old, um, to wear like when Snoop Dogg. Uh, came out with the album Doggy Style, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which was '94. Um, I was present for that um, and learning about sex. Mm-hmm. That was it. Was sort of a watershed moment for talking about anal sex. Uh-huh. Even though Doggy Style wasn't necessarily about anal sex, yeah, there was a lot of furthering of conversation about anal sex around that time. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I think that probably also kind of overlapped with um, like the HIV AIDS crisis as well. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, the way that I learned about a lot of stuff about anal sex and homosexuality, my first encounters with that was um, that gay men were dying of AIDS because they have anal sex. And I was I I remember very clearly learning that um, anal sex causes AIDS. Yes. And it was it was like there was no um, there was no virus in that equation. Right. It was just there was there wasn't even ejaculate. It was just this act. Yeah. This p- specific sexual act. Yes. Causes AIDS, and I remember thinking, well, then why doesn't vaginal sex? Yeah. And uh, yeah, like there there and there was that whole women's magazine. Pro- there was like some women's magazine that printed an interview with a doctor who said that vaginal sex was safe. You don't have to worry about AIDS if you're a cisgender straight woman. Oh wow. And uh, ACT UP protested that mm-hmm. um, that magazine. Yeah. And um, I like it just it just speaks to the time because yeah. the idea that um, anal sex was so different mm-hmm. and so extraordinary and yeah. so extreme. Yeah. Um, was being proved. Yeah. Like was being taught and then proved by the existence of. Um, of HIV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm suddenly thinking about as well like how I learned like I I have a th- a theory mm-hmm. um uh that so my theory is basically men and women, cis men and cis women um often learn our roles, right? Or mm-hmm. their roles because I'm not cis. And when cis men and cis women find out that they're or realize or whatever that they're gay or queer, mm-hmm. especially with cis men, 
cis men, you know, they, they're like, okay, I'm not participating in this monolithic heterosexual sexuality. Let me take another sexuality off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like there's an expectation of how a bear fucks, yeah. how a twink fucks. That makes a lot of sense because what would we do with the freedom to figure it out? Yeah. You know, let's get that. Yeah. Let's get that model off the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. And use that because freedom is terrifying. Yeah. It's, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. love it. I mean, yeah. well, well, yes. Right. But the little, the little point in between that I was going to mm-hmm. make is I learned, um, you know, by nobody, well, yes, by people specifically telling me, mm-hmm. um, I learned that my place as a gay trans man mm-hmm. was to get fucked mm-hmm. by a cis man. Right. So regardless of whether someone has a dick, they can be a top or a bottom. Right. You know, like a cis dick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my dick is not the kind of dick that can penetrate in the ways that they are expecting. Or as I've heard, like we, we talked about um, before recording this, um, you know, doctors saying the phrase meaningful penetration right? Uh, regarding like people's meta results, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had cis men say to me, like, what's the point of you topping? Mm-hmm. Um, which we can get into in uh, a discussion about um, masculinity and penetration. Um, but we're talking about like how we learned things. And that's right. one, like there are ways that I learned when I was far younger mm-hmm. about like what, how we're a good lover. But I learned, I learned that my place as a queer man, as a yeah. gay man um, is to get fucked. Wow. By, by other by cis gay men. Right. Um, and that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, th- so that's 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 another way that um how what we learn early on, even if we rebel yeah. against it, yeah, we're still duplicating those models. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed we are. Yeah. I mean, um and and we, we just need to do or we all need to do the work of, of freeing ourselves from those, mm-hmm. but it requires um, it requires a commitment because this training creeps into everything. The very much the idea that men who are people with penises, mm-hmm. unquestionably, yes, uh, want Na- sex, natal penises, yes, yeah, want sex all the time, yes, and it's women's job yeah. to resist that. Mm-hmm. And then give in to the right person. Right. And it puts pressure on everyone mm-hmm. to f- fulfill that role. Yeah. And um, there's just sort of this expectation um, in, uh, you know, I was, when I graduated from high school in 1993. Mm-hmm. So the sex ed I had was prior to that. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a message that boys, you will want to be a rapist, but mm-hmm. you have to resist. You can't do that. It's right. not not okay. But the idea was that you would want to, that that's what's natural. And yeah. again, it's that idea of what's natural right. that is coming comes up again and again. And this is why um, the encounters I had with homophobia growing up were about it being unnatural. Mm-hmm. 
that what was natural was for men and women who are always cisgendered to be attracted to each other yeah. and anything else was unnatural. Yeah. And um, that sort of dominates the whole discourse about sexuality. So there are these like okay unnatural things that straight people sometimes enjoy. Sure. And then there are these forbidden unnatural things mm-hmm. that are the gay stuff. Yes. And that was like gerbils up my ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned two things that kind of like I, I thought of like um, kind of uh, caused my mind to veer off in, in a couple of different directions. You were mentioning like ejaculate like uh, semen produced by testicles specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about ejaculate sometime soon or no well, yeah. today. Why not? <laughs> um, but that's it's it's more involved in that. But um, there's a lot of study my point is that there's a lot of study about cis men mm-hmm. in terms of stis right and and the fluids that cis men produce mm-hmm. um and there isn't as much study on what people who don't have those parts those natal parts like how much risk we're at mm-hmm in terms of like different STIs, yeah, um, how much risk we're at with each other, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's there's a lot of you know studies on like men who have sex with men. Yes, I am a man who has sex with men. That's right. My sub is also trans, and I primarily have sex with him. So if we have sex with each other and also other men who may or may not be cis, the assumption is that our sex is safer than other sex mm-hmm. because the like STI transmission risk is completely mysterious in terms of like what what's examined scientifically um, between like what I produce and what he produces yeah. or like, you know, what anyone who does not produce like semen with sperm. Yeah. Et cetera. Um, so that's, it's a thing, you know, for um, sure. For sure. And it goes to the sort of ancient notion yeah. that, the um that a woman's body mm-hmm. um is mysterious and yeah. unexplainable yeah that like mm. whole thing of of it just doesn't make any sense or is hysteria illogical yeah. like you know all that yeah yeah so we're so not only are people who are built like us mysterious mm-hmm. right like who knows how to please th- those sorts of natal parts right um but also we're somewhat inert. We don't, we're not the, we're not the ones who are aggressors. Right. And it's worth, you know, acknowledging also that those, the dregs of those ideas Mm -hmm. are why largely um, trans men and trans masculine people tend to be in less physical danger Mm -hmm. than trans women. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not saying every or all and in any situation. Of course. Um, but I'm saying if we look at the s- statistics, um, like trans women and especially trans women of color and black trans women are at far higher risk of danger. Mm-hmm. And that all comes down to this idea. It all comes from this idea of of women basically like uh, being ineffectual. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and if I mean, that's the thing that I, I mean, we're not talking about being good in bed anymore, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, um, a, it's a miracle that anyone is. That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wh- well, I, I think this kind of it, this idea kind of ropes into that as well, um, because when I started testosterone, I learned that correcting another man is a is a challenge. Mm-hmm. You can either be friends with another man, okay, um, in which you would sort of challenge them in, in jest regularly, very right. often, right? Or you can be enemies with another man, uh-huh. in which you would want to fight them, yeah. right? Um, or or somehow like want to best them in another way, yeah. Um, but there tends to be no other in between that isn't seen as gay wow wow so basically like and and the way that i learned this Mm -hmm. was and and also one of the ways that i knew i started like being seen as a man in general um was i was actually right outside of the lgbt center in uh manhattan and some guy got out of his car opened his car door and knocked over a bike and and i said hey you knocked that bike over yeah and the guy was mad at me because I was challenging him in his mind. You know, I understood that Mm -hmm. as I thought about it, but that was a thing that I could do as a small young person who was perceived to be a girl. Yeah. Because it's not a challenge because if he picks up the bike, he looks good for a woman. Right. But you know, if he doesn't, then he's, he's challenging. Uh, He's, he's, backing down to another man's challenge. Right. And I think that the ways that I understand the way that the ways that cis gay men relate to each other. Yeah. Sort of curls around that in some way that I don't really have the words to explain right this minute. Oh, I agree. And it, it strikes me in as really fascinating because what it makes me think of is the sort of men's movement, um, the the um the little bits of non-toxic mm-hmm. parts of the men's movement yeah. where men would get together mm-hmm. to share their challenges mm-hmm. and also to challenge each other to yeah. like sort of push each other in a in a friendly way like yeah. as in a way of where like you know to be at your best or like to the idea of uh, of having a a group of male friends who would um hold you accountable mm-hmm. to your word and, and stuff like that. Like the, the idea, uh, the non-toxic part is, is, is that's part of the non-toxic part is that is speaking to that. Like, no, you should be able to be in a space with other men who can challenge you. Yeah. Cis straight man. Yeah. Yeah. And also that, um, that part, like we're talking a lot about, um, sexual expectations, mm-hmm. et cetera. But that part, the, uh, the, ch- the learning to be challenged by other men. I mean, we as uh, well i don't want to say we all speak for myself sure. um i had to learn mm-hmm. not to be misogynist mm-hmm. because when i when i i happened to be a butch for a, a bit like i yes. thought that i was butch yep um and i suppose maybe i was who knows that's up for debate but when i was enacting a specifically butch masculinity or what i thought was a specifically butch mascul- masculinity um I 
mixed that in like I I saw mo- that modeled with misogyny. Right. And I feel like I threw as a young person mistakenly threw women under the bus, mm-hmm. you know, to make myself look more masculine. Yeah. And I own that, yes. you know. And I think that that also has to do with how we how we fuck, you know. Yeah. And I I was not comfortable. I wanted to like have a harnessed dick and like do the fucking and mm-hmm. I remember I went on a, a one night stand my my first one night stand ever I was fucking this wonderful gorgeous great person and she started you know masturbating as I was fucking her as one does and I like shoved her hand away because I was like I'm you know this is my job you know yes and um that's not how to be good in bed <laughs> right. <laughs> um right yeah like under, understanding that i feel like uh so we're we're talking about how we learn but also maybe like moving on to like inspirations like and also like maybe breakthroughs even and yeah, reframing yeah. um understanding so that how did we how did we ever reframe all this shit yes right how did we ever arrive here yeah not saying like i'm definitely a good lover or no. definitely good in bed but being like i at least know more about what it takes and i have done some work to get rid of this training yeah yeah i think i think um that the the humiliation of understanding that i did something wrong there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was certainly a watershed moment yeah because i had no idea what i was fucking doing yeah. You know, I just, I, 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 it felt tough to do that. And it felt like I wanted to earn that orgasm. That wasn't my orgasm. It was her orgasm, yep. obviously. Understanding that, beginning to understand that you're not going to know how to do everything. Not everybody's, everybody's body is different. Everybody's preferences are different. Everybody's brains are different. Yeah. Um, and understanding that how to be good in bed like we wrote that as kind of a trick question Mm -hmm. and i feel like um reframing it as perhaps reframing it like the way that i think of how to be good in bed is i have a knowledge base of like how bodies work Mm -hmm. and i and i'm learning we're we're always learning and i really enjoy how brains work yes and I put those things together and that is the backdrop yeah. for listening to my partners and learning what my partners need, being willing to like super, like being very accommodating about their physical well-being, if they have injuries, if they have disabilities, um, if they have needs outside of any of those things, traumas for sure. And I feel like those are the things like being good in bed is super individual and I feel like it's more about feeling good in bed, you know? Yeah. That's fantastic. Like that, that's, that, that was such a good explanation. I I feel like it's a miracle that I arrived at any kind of being good in bed. Sure. But a lot of that came through, uh, working with, like awareness mm-hmm. of the narrator in my mind mm. who has a lot of 
insecurities mm. or fears and a lot of false notions and yeah. will jump in and say things yeah. that are really discouraging at yeah. any given moment. And I, I say this pretty often. Um, like for me, it didn't seem like it in the beginning of transition for mm-hmm. me. Um, but like it, the beginning when, when I started transition, uh, it felt more to me like discovering new things. Cool. And now it feels retrospectively mm-hmm. like uncovering things that were always there yeah. that were, that were, um, stifled. That's right. Yeah. I, I really resonate with that. Mm-hmm. I think my um, my transness, I experience I experience a lot of similarities to what you just said. Um, mm. When I was coming out as a lesbian, sure. or when I was coming out as as queer, mm-hmm. um, the the popular notion of being good in bed mm-hmm. would be like in comparison to hetero cis men, mm-hmm. I was gonna be good in bed. Yes, because of my parts and the parts of my partner. Like yeah. I loved women mm-hmm. and I respected women and that alone mm-hmm. made me <laughs> yeah. better in bed than a lot of straight guys. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of straight guys don't love and respect women. Yeah, right, Ugh. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like R.I.P. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there's that, which correlates to the orgasm gap for sure. Right, that's right. I wanted to talk about the orgasm gap, the, yeah. the, which is now in our contemporary yeah. culture. Instead of having everything be about um, the, like, instead of me just going on about the 90s. Well, we're both, <laughs> <laughs> we, I think we've both gone on about the 90s. Yeah, um, that was fucked up. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, uh, what what is the orgasm gap? The idea that in hetero relations that, mm-hmm. Men always come and women rarely do. Yeah. And that there's a gap in pleasure and mm-hmm. that uh, that should be addressed, you yeah. know. And there are things like, I love um, this book titled She Comes First mm-hmm. because that's that's the effort to, in a completely heterosexual framework, mm-hmm. in a completely penis and vagina framework to say, no, you're going to go down on her first yeah. until she orgasms then you can have penetration. Yeah. Or then you can have your penis involved in penetration. Yeah. To be specific. Yeah. I c- clearly, I want to talk more about queer sex. Yes. But like, this is really, um, the the orgasm gap definitely feeds into this. Yeah. The, the, into the popular idea of what, um, what it means to be a man. Yeah. And a sexual man. And then also um, into undermining that idea. Yeah. Um, also into like, evolving that idea yeah absolutely yeah and also i mean i think yeah i mean to put it another way Mm -hmm. um to put what you just said in another way uh queer sex is very often revolutionary yeah you know like it can feel revolutionary to ourselves yes and it can and very often is a model for other possibilities that's right there are fewer scripts available. Yeah, and yeah. we have to make our own we have to make our own rules, you know, and I think it's amazing cuz you know, we we get to or I get to at least uh, like I'll say I uh statements. Like I get to um think about what I'm uncomfortable with and view that face to face and you know, for me, I I 
weave a lot of my discomfort into my kink. Um, so I've there's a lot a lot of shit that I've worked out through mm-hmm. kink. I mean, obviously, like therapists are amazing, <laughs> and we should have therapists. Mm-hmm. Also, like being keeping a mindful practice in general, right? Um, and you know, and I'm, I'm not saying like use your partner to work your shit out. Right. I'm saying like in a controlled situation, the a fantasy that I was mentioning to you earlier mm-hmm. was uh well maybe we'll get to the fantasy at the end. Okay. So at the end there will be a fantasy regarding some of this stuff. Right. Ref- so other ways of reframing um like different sexual possibilities. Yeah. Would be like you were mentioning like spontaneity and this like feeling of like ravenousness yeah and that being a um an expectation a common expectation yeah um i find that for me i don't know if this is more about me having add Mm -hmm. uh or many other things but i need very specific circumstances like i get really sweaty Mm -hmm. and i'm distracted by overhead lights Mm -hmm. um i prefer to have music on so basically like if i'm gonna get down like I have to put a waterproof tarp or a towel on the bed. Um, the lights have to be turned down. And ideally, there's some music, but maybe not. That's not. Right. But those two things are kind of like, if I want to be comfortable, um, non-negotiables. Yeah. And also specificity in terms of a partner's pleasure. Mm-hmm. So like if I am, you know, we worked at an adult shop for years Mm-hmm. Which is to say, we have the luxury of having many, many toys. That's right. So if I'm fucking someone in a certain way, mm-hmm. and I realize that things are going a certain way where I have a certain toy that's exactly right for that, I'm going to stop. Yeah. And then get that toy and use it. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because it connects to what I was saying earlier about what these these um, cultural notions of what's natural to have happen. Like you... Um, First off, using toys plays into like, is sex really natural? And then, yeah. you know, is queer sex natural or is anal sex natural or is oral sex natural? Natural is just used as such a blunt object to crush all this creativity and all this liberation. Yeah. The idea of stopping midway, pausing to get something, going to get a drink of water, coming back, like a lot of that is... um is contrary to the train the the sort of the colonizer idea of yeah. sex is like you know once you get started yeah. you do not interrupt this yeah. what you're saying about working out issues with through your like sexual connections i think is is connected to like we don't get free by ourselves like we don't we don't get free individually like we don't get liberated from our shit as an individual, we have to do individual work. I'm yeah. all for therapy yeah. too. And um, that's even, that's not individual. That's with a therapist. True. Relationships can be a site of freeing yourself from this indoctrination yeah. with all this, with all this shit. Yeah. With all this shit, you know? Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And uh, a facet of this that I hadn't really thought of mm-hmm. that I guess I felt as a given is when you're working through shit with a partner, it could be, I don't know, let's say you're insecure about a body part. That's just like Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes Mm -hmm. to mind. Of course. If you have, for instance, a scene that has to do with being insecure about a body part, Mm -hmm. you are specifically checking in with each other via that scene. Yeah. 
and you have to be on the same page. So you're cementing a bond about being okay with, you know, in this scenario, it's a body part, but it could be anything. It could be some deeper facet of your psyche that you're ashamed of. Yeah. You know, it could be um, taking up space. It could be, um, you know, the freedom of just like laying down and groveling and not having that used against you, having that be something empowering and wanted. Um, So like those are things that you're like checking in with and it can be like reframing those things and understanding that you're seen and understood. Right. Right. And that requires going into your encounter with a lot of awareness and a lot of communication that doesn't just happen through having BDSM with a partner. No, no. That has to happen through all the stuff that happens before. Yeah. Before, during, after all of, all of it, like all of it. Yeah. We're talking about all of this and we haven't once mentioned consent. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Consent. What were you saying yesterday? The most fundamental. The most fundamental. Uh, you, you, what did you say? You said not just enthusiastic consent. Meaningful consent. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, meaningful consent. So enthusiastic consent, I think of enthusiastic consent. One can be enthusiastic about a situation that one wants to get out of. Yeah. One can be enthusiastic if they are under the influence of substances. Right. One can be enthusiastic and not fully understand the ramifications of what's going to happen. Right. You know, they could be, you know, heaven forbid, too young or just some other, like they can be getting uh, manipulated mm-hmm. in another way, but meaningful consent. Both people have to know what they're getting into. Yeah. Because I mean, for, for whatever reason, I always, I, I just keep thinking of the idea of like, if you just name the act, yeah. like I want to try X. Yeah. And then you, you both have different pictures of what that, that entails that's why like all this explicit communication Mm -hmm. is actually really important it's a skill that serves you in all aspects of your life yeah there's nuance everywhere right right so very often people are told and it's a great practice Mm -hmm. to uh fill out yes no maybe lists with Mm -hmm. a partner Mm -hmm. which is amazing and i highly recommend it right so let's say somebody says nipple play right Nipple play is a yes. What do you want, right? Yeah. Do you want stingy? Do you want, do you like your nipples hit and not twisted? Do you like your nipples clamped? What do you want to do after they're clamped? Are they too sensitive? So basically like, and things like this can feel like a lot to get into. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, somebody talks about watching Star Trek or Doctor Who and you're like, oh my God, I know it's good, but. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have time for all this. And that's how like intimidating, Mm -hmm. like different practices can be, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to like know everything. Right. I mean, I think that's a, that's a really important point because having lots of explicit communication doesn't mean having to have it all thought out in advance. Yeah. And I think that can be very um, intimidating or somehow like undermining of the encounter and yeah. like what you you what you actually want is like if let's say I say I want to I want nipple play sure and you ask me the questions that you just um, yeah I would I would need to say something like well I don't really know but let's start here and try and see yeah. where we can go yeah and like communicate during it because yeah absolutely 
you don't have to have the full no yeah like idea in advance but you do need to know that you don't have the full idea in advance yeah yeah right? yeah yeah because and that goes back to like not assuming right that everything's just going to be natural right right oh my god there was there was a so i went to bed with somebody mm -hmm. who gave me amazing head mm -hmm. and i was like what did you do right i was yeah. like that was and he was like i just kind of tried everything and whenever i got good responses i just kept doing that yeah um and i was like that's amazing you're a slut <laughs> you know <laughs> and what i mean by that is like he knew to do that yeah because he had had experience uh -huh. and his experience had shown him and I, I know this because this is a thing that I've also learned yeah um, that if you're doing something and it's getting a good response and it's an honest response mm -hmm. you keep doing that yes. and you're gonna get good results yes and if that peters out then maybe try something slightly different right and then if you know you can sort of do like hot cold disco with it you yeah. know yeah um, and be aware of the pacing yeah absolutely right? Yeah, yeah, to like, yeah, pacing is everything. Like somebody says, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean do it harder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That means do exactly what you're doing. Right. Um, <laughs> I am. I am. For instance, I am a top. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am a top who really likes oral. This idea of like in in gay in cis gay male culture that you're a top bottom or now a side. Uh, so the side is anybody who doesn't do penetrative sex and by penetrative place for them <laughs> yeah well yes and yeah right? okay because be so yes mm -hmm. right there is a place for them but also what's penetrative sex good point because that that's in my mind that's all the folks who want to have oral right who are like enthusiastically about oral yeah yeah, does they are we saying that oral is non-penetrative? Yes. So that's well, okay. There, there's a funny little rub here. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. There's a funny little rub here in that um I was dyke identified for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I understood enjoying oral cuz I was probably as enthusiastic about that before as I if, if and I'm probably even more enthusiastic now because I can go into something. But there was an idea that if you enjoyed receiving oral, you were a pr pillow princess. Yeah. And if that's mainly what you did, yep. you're a pillow princess. Yep. And if in cis male culture, if if what you mainly do is put your dick in someone's mouth, then you are an oral top mm -hmm. and or an oral dom. Yeah. Because you have the power to like choke somebody out. Oh, Okay. I I also have this association with like trade and you're straight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because a hole's a hole. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, it also goes back to that idea of like women being inert and ineffectual. It does. It's a misogynist notion. It's a misogynist yeah. notion. So like I am not a woman and um, I feel that penetration is what you make of it mm -hmm. um, which we'll talk more about soon mm -hmm. um, and I view you know what I can do with my non-op genitals as penetration 
uh, my experience is I could not physically go into something. Mm -hmm. And even though I can't go into anything much, my experience is of going into something. Um, and not that that makes, not that going into something makes you dominant, mm -hmm. but my experience of, of, oh, I wish I could remember who said it, but like the dom is the one who runs the fuck. Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember who said that. I would give props. If that is you, please let me know. But yeah, that's, that's what I think of as an oral dom. Where I began with this, I'm not quite sure, but it had everything to do with reframing, with roles. Yes. Um, and, uh, and all that good stuff. I feel like we're coming to a close very soon. Yes. <clears throat> Let's actually um, wrap this one up. Yeah, sure. Thanks for listening to Kinkbucks. Be kind. Be fierce. Respect boundaries, including your own. And do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs>